for joining us on another episode of the Key Life Fellowship Men's Bible Study Podcast, taught by Pastor Kirk Hall. We pray that through this podcast that you would grow your grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. At this time, please open your Bibles and follow along as the Holy Spirit unveils God's truths to your heart. You guys go on, open up the Word, Ephesians chapter 1. And we will be looking at verses 13 and 14 tonight as we continue to look at the Trinitarian blessings that come from God. We have seen, as you remember, when we look at the spiritual blessings that we have been given in Christ, we have seen blessings from God the Father. We looked at that and we saw the blessing of sovereign election, the blessing of sonship. We talked about our adoption What a privilege it is to be considered a son uh, when I once was, because of my sin, an enemy to God, yet he has blessed me with sonship. And then we talked about the Father blessing us by his saving grace, because it is by grace that we have been saved through faith, and it is a gift of God and not of works, so that we have no cause at all to boast. We have nothing to boast about but to humbly get on our knees and to thank the Father for the blessing that He has given us of His grace. Then last week we saw also the second person of the Trinity and the blessings that He has bestowed upon us, the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We talked about redemption and how we are redeemed by His precious blood. We talked about remission, how all of our sin, how much of it? All of it. If you're in Christ, it is all been carried away. We talked about how forgiveness means just that, that it has been carried away. Then we talked about the revelation, the wisdom, the knowledge, the mystery, seeing into those things because Christ has allowed us to see into those things. It is Christ who unveiled those things that the Old Testament prophets spoke of. And we have been privileged and blessed, those of us who are in Christ, to see those things. So we saw the revelation that Christ has blessed us with And then the reconciliation that he paid for us to have through his sacrifice that we, along with all of creation that was subject or made subject to sin, um, all uh, creation and all the redeemed will be reconciled to God the Father in the new creation that he will bring upon this earth. So in this lesson, we're going to move to the third person and the most often neglected person of the triune Godhead, uh, to the Holy Spirit. In these verses that we're going to look at tonight, Paul makes it very clear and desires that the believers, remember we're talking to the believers here, remember when we first started this in our intro lessons, that we are receiving a message that went out to the saints, the faithful in Christ Jesus. And so we're seeing that he's still addressing that group of people, those of us who are in Christ, the saints, those who are the called out ones, the elect, the chosen by God. However you want to define them, Scripture defines them all of those ways. But he wants us to understand that not only do we receive blessings from God the Father, blessings from our Lord Jesus Christ, the first and second persons of the Trinity, we also receive great blessings from the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And you're a believer here, the indwelling Holy Spirit abides in you, and because of that, we receive blessings directly from God the Holy Spirit. As I've already indicated and alluded to, oftentimes the Holy Spirit is completely left out of this equation. I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to leave the Holy Spirit out of this equation. So many times in in Reformed thought, in Reformed theology, uh, we are so dead set anti-modern charismatic movement that we are almost, if we're not careful, afraid of the Holy Spirit. Please, men, do not be afraid of the Holy Spirit. He is the indwelling person of God who lives in each of us. So we need to see the importance of that, but we also need to see the blessings that come because of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Spurgeon said this, he said, common to common is the sin of forgetting the Holy Spirit. I love that he referred to it as sin. The sin of forgetting the Holy Spirit. 
He goes on to say this is folly and ingratitude. He deserves well at our hands, for he is good, supremely good. Co-equal, we know that. His essence, co-equal to God the Father, God the Son. Spurgeon goes on to say, as God, he is good essentially. He shares in the threefold ascription, holy, holy, holy. When we think of our God as being thrice holy, there is a holy for God the Father, a holy for God the Son, and a holy spoken for God the Holy Spirit. He's saying this, that the Holy Spirit deserves that same recognition. He goes on to say, which ascends to the triune Jehovah. He shares the threefold description of holy, 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 which ascends to the triune Jehovah. He goes on later in the same section and article. He goes on to say this, the church will never prosper until more reverently it believes in the Holy Ghost. He is good and kind. That it is sad indeed that he should be grieved by slights and negligences. Man, we mustn't grieve the Holy Spirit by slights and negligences. But what we need to do is we need to search the Scriptures, we need to look at the Scriptures that are at hand to see the work of the Holy Spirit and to honor Him with the honor that He, as a person of the triune Godhead, deserves. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, let's not get weird because the Holy Spirit is not weird. Let's see him for who he is. Let's see him tonight for the blessings that he brings into our lives, just as we have seen the blessings from God the Father, the blessings from God the Son, and now the blessings that come directly from the indwelling Holy Spirit into our lives every single day. Now, Ephesians 1, verse 13. I told you we'll be traveling a lot today, two whole verses. Verse 13 says this, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, he goes on to say this, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who were God's possession to the praise of his glory. So tonight as we look at the blessings of the Holy Spirit that we receive directly from the third person of the Trinity. Write this down. The first one is this. You see it there on your list. We receive the gift of regeneration. Verse 13 there that we just read, the first part of that says, you were also included in Christ. Let's talk about how we are included in Christ. Let us never forget that it's through the Holy Spirit that we receive the blessing of regeneration. John tells us that in John chapter 3. You guys remember, I'm sure, very clearly, the discussion that Jesus had with Nicodemus. Verse 5 of John chapter 3, he says that Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. When we see that phrase, you were also included in Christ, we must go back to the work of the Holy Spirit in regenerating the once dead sinner who was dead in transgression, who could not move toward God. We know Romans tells us there's none righteous, no, not one. No one seeks after him. We weren't seeking God, and because we sought God, God then blessed us through the Holy Spirit with regeneration. In fact, we weren't seeking God at all. We were dead in our sins. We were dead in our trespasses. And God sought us out, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we were then regenerated. We received that blessing, spiritual rebirth. We received that because of the Holy Spirit. Now, where would we be? If we left out the Holy Spirit from this equation, we would still be dreadfully lost and dead in our sins. But through the Holy Spirit's blessing of regeneration given to us directly from the third person of the Trinity as He 
quickens us and enables us. He works a miracle in us. We don't see. In fact, Jesus talking to Nicodemus said it's like the wind. You don't see the wind. You see what the wind accomplishes. And the Holy Spirit, many times in Scripture, we see even on the day of Pentecost as he came, he came as a rushing, mighty wind. So even in our lives, when we're regenerated, the Holy Spirit comes as a mighty, rushing wind. And he regenerates us. It's through the blessing of the Holy Spirit in regeneration that you are quickened or you are enabled to hear the gospel. Watch what he says next. There in verse 13, he's going to give us the progression of regeneration. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth. You were quickened or enabled by the Holy Spirit to hear the gospel. How many times before you were born again had you heard the gospel with your human ears, but it fell upon your spiritually dead ears to no effect? Now, when a person is regenerated through the power of the Holy Spirit, we're talking about true conversion, true regeneration, they hear the gospel for the first time in a different manner. In fact, Romans chapter 10, verse 14, tells us about how this works. It says there in verse 14 of chapter 10, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? These are all rhetorical questions that Paul is asking. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? And he says this in verse 17. We, we often know this verse, we read this verse, but see it in its context. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. What message? The gospel. The message of Christ. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. So, so I want you to see how all of that works in regeneration. Someone preaches the gospel. The gospel falls upon the ears of all who are under the sound of this person's voice from a human standpoint. They're human ears. But it does not go into the spiritual ears unless that person is being sovereignly regenerated by the Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit who blesses us with the ability to hear the gospel so that we are truly regenerated to new life. It's the Spirit who opens our ears and allows us to hear the truth. We are not men. If we are, if we are not regenerated by the Holy Spirit, we cannot and will not hear the gospel spiritually. There will be many people who have heard the gospel audibly, but they did not hear the gospel spiritually. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is the one who blesses us that we may hear the gospel and be born again. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 13 says this, But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel. Did you see how that works? The sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy, Holy Spirit sets you apart so that you could believe as the word of truth was being preached to you. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a blessing from the Holy Spirit when we talk about regeneration. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says this in regard to the same topic, verse 7. He says, No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. Did they not hear it? Of course they heard it. For if they had, they would have, have not crucified the Lord of glory. Jesus came preaching the gospel. The apostles preached the gospel. The witnesses that Jesus sent out 
preached the gospel. Did these people not hear it? He's saying, no, that's not the case. They heard it from their human ears and with their human ears, their human intellect. I tell people all the time, intellectually acknowledging Christ will not save a single soul. They heard it with their human ears, but they did not spiritually hear the gospel because it is the Spirit who quickens them to do so. However, he says in verse 9, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. But God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. He goes on in verse 12, We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. You remember that day when you were truly born again and you understood what God has freely given you in Christ? You had heard about it hundreds upon hundreds of times. But in that particular day, whether that was in a conversation with someone who was sharing the gospel or whether that was somebody preaching the gospel from a pulpit, whether you were listening to the gospel on the radio, I can promise you this, if it was true regeneration, it was accompanied by the preaching of the gospel, some way, some shape, or some form. Remember when everything began to make sense in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. The wind blew, and you didn't see the wind, but you felt the effects of the wind. Not only did you feel the effects of the wind then, you are continually seeing the effects of the rebirth, regeneration, even now in your life. Verse 13, Paul goes on to say this in 1 Corinthians, this is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Does the gospel come from the Spirit of God? Absolutely. When a man who is filled with the indwelling Holy Spirit preaches the truth of the gospel, that is the Spirit of God releasing the truth of the gospel. But unbelieving man cannot understand that. But at some point in time, those of you who have been saved were regenerated by the Holy Spirit so that you could hear these truths, so that you could then, as we're going to see in a moment, believe. He says, the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. How many of you men are thankful here that the Holy Spirit regenerated you so that you could understand the gospel. Isn't that square one in our Christian lives? Of course it is. Many people want to leave out the doctrine of regeneration by the power of the Holy Spirit, jump right into faith and belief. You cannot do that. In fact, unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. None of these things will ever make real sense to you spiritually. Be careful that you haven't fallen into the trap of, of intellectually accepting Jesus because you heard something with your human ears. It's very clear here that the Holy Spirit's hand is at work blessing those who are in Christ with regeneration. Titus chapter 3, verse 5, it says, He saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth, and renewal, watch this, by the Holy Spirit. I am thankful today for the rebirth that was provided for me by the Holy Spirit. Nothing that I did, nothing that I could do, not because of righteous things any of us have done, but because the Holy Spirit has blessed us with regeneration that we would trust in Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, watch how this flows, you accepted it not as the word of men. And isn't that what the lost man says? This is just a bunch of words from men when you preach the gospel. This is just a bunch of nonsense and folklore. 
He says, I'm glad that you didn't receive it just as words of men, but, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. And who is it who does that work? It is the Holy Spirit who opens the blind spiritual eyes of the dead man. He opens their eyes so that they can see their need for Christ. We were granted this gift of regeneration through the power of the Holy Spirit. What a blessing that we are quickened or enabled to hear the gospel. Not only that, through the Holy Spirit's blessing of regeneration at this point in our lives, not only are we quickened and enabled to hear the gospel, we are quickened and enabled to repent of our unbelief and our sin. It is a work of the Holy Spirit, man. It's not your work. It's a work of the Holy Spirit that allows you to repent of your unbelief and your sin. Stop taking that upon yourself as if you did something good. It is He who works the good in us. We are quickened and enabled to repent, to turn from our sin and to turn from our unbelief only because the Spirit has convicted us. When you agree with that, that the Spirit convicted you? Many men hear the gospel, hear it with their human ears. It doesn't go into their spiritual ears. They're not quickened to new birth. They walk away from it, convicted of nothing, not seeing their need for Christ at all, thinking to themselves that I'm a pretty good guy. Oh, but when the Holy Spirit brings conviction upon our lives, it's a totally different message that we receive, isn't it? John chapter 16, verse 8, the Lord spoke of this. He says when he comes, he's referring to the Holy Spirit to which he has promised his believers there in chapter 14. He will convict the word world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. The Greek word here for convict means to convince someone of the truth. Anyone here thankful for the blessing of the Holy Spirit who convinced you that Christ dying on a cross is true? That's the only way that you can be saved. Aren't you thankful that he revealed that to you? You didn't figure that out on your own. As I said, you had heard the message many times and walked away from it. But on this one particular day, according to God's sovereign will and plan, the Holy Spirit activated regeneration for you, bringing conviction into your life calling you to account, calling you to repentance. Not only does the Spirit convict, bringing faith and repentance, the Spirit converts. Our conversion is a work of the Holy Spirit. Please do not strip Him of that glory. It is not the Holy Spirit working alongside of you. It is not the Holy Spirit with the help of the pastor, the help of anyone around you, a discipleship group. It is the Holy Spirit's work that converts us. See, that as the blessing that it is. Luke chapter 13, verse 5. Jesus says this, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Now, Jesus gives a requirement there, doesn't he? Repentance. Do you know all truly saved people must repent? Why? Because Jesus said that we must repent. And if we don't repent, we will perish. Now, I've already told you this. Scripture has already told you this. You were spiritually dead. How does a spiritually dead man repent? He can't. A spiritually dead man can do nothing when we look at this, how gracious is our Lord that He requires us to repent and then He empowers us by His Holy Spirit at regeneration to do what we were incapable of doing on our own. He, through the power of the Holy Spirit, brings us to repentance. We repent of our sin, we repent of our unbelief, and we turn in trust to Jesus Christ. Not a work of our own. 
How many times had you heard the gospel and not repented? But this particular time when you were saved, you were brought to a place of repentance. Oh, I've heard story after story. I've witnessed it time and time and time again. The once hardened man, because of his sin, never to be broken in his own mind, he thought, and to see the Holy Spirit crush that man, and bring him to a place of repentance and humility before a holy God. That is true gospel regeneration born of the Spirit. We see it as the Spirit who quickens or enables us to repent for unbelief and our sin. The Spirit convicts, the Spirit converts. I'm thankful for both of those in my life. Not only at regeneration, but continually. He is convicting us. He is sanctifying us because He is living in us to do as He set out to do the day of our spiritual new birth. Through the Holy Spirit, we receive this blessing of regeneration as we are then quickened and enabled to repent of our unbelief and sin. Thirdly, I want you to see this. When we look at the gift of regeneration as a blessing, through the Holy Spirit's blessing of regeneration, you are thirdly quickened or enabled to believe in Christ. I know what many of you say. Well, don't we believe first? No. You don't. That's what many people in error believe. Because what they like to do is they like to take John 3.16 out of context, right? We take John 3.16 out of context, remove it from the text that it is in. That's what it means to take it out of context. And we can make it say whatever we want it to say. So let's read John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. See, all I have to do is believe. Let me just say this. You do have to believe. But you cannot believe on your own. Why do we pull John 3.16 out of its context? Why do we not look at John 3.16 in light of John 3, 3 through 15? You want to do that? Because too often we don't turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, and we'll do this together so that we all understand it clearly. Because you cannot John 3.16 until the Holy Spirit, John 3 through 15, for you. Look at John Chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus and Nicodemus in this discussion. Verse 3 says, in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. You couldn't see the kingdom of God enough to even know that you needed God's kingdom. You couldn't believe. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asking a silly question. Jesus was not talking about physical birth. He was talking about spiritual rebirth. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother womb, what mother's womb to be born? And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. Nicodemus, he's listening. He's, he's registering in his human mind through his human ears. He's still asking human questions. How can this be? You're Israel's teacher, said Jesus. and You do not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, the people do not accept our testimony. He's saying, I'm saying it to you. They're hearing it with their human ears, but they're still not accepting it. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? Verse 13, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. What is he saying here? He's saying, for you to believe, then we go right into John 3.16. For you to believe, and to John 3.16, there is a transaction that must happen between you and the Holy Spirit of God. It is the Holy Spirit quickening you to new birth. 
And so you write this down so that you understand it in a world who is so mixed up about this, in a church world that is so mixed up about this. You cannot put the cart before the horse. In regard to true biblical soteriology, that is the doctrine of salvation. You must be born again. And how are you born again? He made it very clear. By the Spirit. You cannot believe unless you are first born again. I know the error that all the revivalists in many of your lives have made. They, they have done this. They have taken the new birth, and they have taken belief, and they have made it all one thing. It is not all one thing. You cannot truly trust in Christ until you are born again. And that is a work of the Spirit. Spiritual regeneration must precede our trust, our faith in Christ. Man can't and won't ever trust Christ unless he is born again by the Spirit. You say, well, in my life, it seemed like it just happened like, bam, it did. That's what he's saying. Have you ever been outside when the wind comes that you weren't expecting and all of a sudden you see the effects of that wind? You see all the things being blown over all at the same time? Yes, it happened that quickly. But be not misled. It is a work and a blessing of the Holy Spirit that you were born again so that you could believe, so that you could repent of your former unbelief and your wicked way of life. Why is that important? God requires it. Oh, see His grace in that. See the blessing of that. I couldn't believe, and I couldn't turn from my sin because I was spiritually dead. I was in bondage to my sin. I was without hope and without God. What, what was I going to do? Here's what I was going to do had not the Holy Spirit intervened, regenerated me to new life. I was going to spend an eternity in hell under the wrath of God. What say you? But thankfully, the Holy Spirit intervened. And regenerated all who believed so that they could understand for the very first time the truth of who they are as sinners and the truth of who Christ is as a Savior. Spiritual regeneration must and always will precede faith and belief in Christ. There are many people who try to Accuse me of not believing in John 3.16 because I put regeneration by the sovereign Spirit of God. I put regeneration ahead of belief. You know why I put regeneration ahead of belief? Because that's the way Jesus taught it in John chapter 3. So we see the blessing of that. Anyone here thankful for the gift of regeneration? Secondly, from the Holy Spirit, we not only receive the gift of regeneration, we receive the guarantee of eternal inheritance. Look at 13, the second part. We'll read through the 14, the first part. But let's look at 13 there, the second portion of this. He said, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you heard the word of truth, the Spirit regenerates you so that you can believe, and having believed, you were marked in Him. You are marked in Him with a seal. Well, let's stop there and let's look at that. The promised Holy Spirit. You were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. This is a guarantee as we continue to read there. You were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. The Spirit's seal on us, as the Word of God says, is an authoritative guarantee. We are guaranteed final salvation and redemption because God has set the seal of the Holy Spirit upon those of us who are in Christ. It is that seal that indicates one's authority. This culture 
that he's writing to in Ephesus would have no problem understanding that term seal. They had seen the seals of the Roman emperors, the Roman government. They knew what these things meant. They respected these things as an authority, as they were taught to do. We understand those things, and even in our culture, we understand that a seal represents authority, right? We know about seals in the past of kings and kingdoms. We know about seals of nations, right? Our nation has a seal. Our president, when he speaks behind a podium, he speaks behind the authority of his office. What does his seal say? The president of the United States of America. Like him or not, he stands with authority because he stands behind that seal. The seals of nations, states, rulers, officials. We understand what a seal means. I don't use a lot of illustrations, but I'll use one tonight. This is a badge. And with this badge comes authority. Right? Doesn't it? In fact, this is a threefold picture of authority, if you would. We, we see here that it says Constable Montgomery County Precinct 4. That doesn't mean I am the constable in Montgomery County Precinct 4. But what it does mean as a deputy, guess what? I have the authority that has been given to the constable of Montgomery County Precinct 4 supporting me. Now, as we look closer on this badge, it gets interesting. Not only do we have that seal of the constable, Montgomery County Precinct 4, we also have the seal of the great state of Texas. Now, if you're here tonight and, and you're not a Texan, I'm sorry. But it is a wonderful seal, right? And we have that lone star right, right there representing that Seal. Now, what that means is if I arrest you, I have not only the authority of the constable, Montgomery County Precinct 4, who has been elected, I also have the authority of the state of Texas. Now, even smaller on this, there's a, a little smaller seal because this is a special badge. And it says SRT. That means that I belong to a special response team. Not all the guys in our department can do what the special response team does. They carry a little bit more authority, right? We have the authority to do things that they've not been trained or equipped to do. Everybody understands a seal. I want to make this real for you tonight because what he says here is that we have been sealed by the authority of God the Holy Spirit. What a blessing. Texas means nothing in comparison to the seal of the Holy Spirit. That means the authority of God has sealed us forever. It is an authoritative guarantee. How do I know that I will forever be saved? Because the seal of the Holy Spirit has been placed on and in my life as a guarantee my salvation, my eternal inheritance, my eternal life is secure. And it's secured by the authority of God. I don't care what men say. I don't care what my own sinful mind wants to say. What I care about is what does the Word of God say? The Word of God says that I've been sealed by the Holy Spirit and that is a guarantee of my eternal Inheritance, never going to be stripped away from anyone who is in Christ Jesus. Don't you love the promises of the Word of God? John chapter 10, no man shall pluck you from my hand, no man shall pluck you from the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. Now, if Jesus was going to carry that all the way out, he would also admit that the Spirit is also one with the Father, one with the Son. And you are sealed by the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit. What a blessing that we have received from the Holy Ghost. Don't leave him out of the equation. Is an authoritative guarantee, sealed, marked with that seal, seal of God, the Holy Spirit. Not only is it an authoritative guarantee, it's an absolute guarantee. It is a done deal. Second Corinthians chapter 1, 
Verse 21 says this, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set His seal of ownership on us, and put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Now, has the Word of God promised all of those who are in Christ eternal life, eternal inheritance with Him in His presence forever? Has He promised us that over and over and over again? May we never doubt that. Those of you who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, that seal is upon you. You know why He lives inside of you? To remind you of that guarantee constantly. Constantly to lead you back to the Scriptures to see the truth and the promises of God and to stand on the absolute guarantee of redemption. It's an absolute guarantee. Our future, both in this life and in the life to come, is taken care of. We are sealed with a guarantee from the Holy Spirit. Our future and eternal life is absolutely confirmed and guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. He's not a partial guarantee, a percentage kind of a guarantee. He's an absolute guarantee. Oh, what a gracious God that we do have that He would come and live within us, making us temples of the Holy Spirit. Is that not what Scripture says? That He lives in us, confirming that we are His. He is ours. It's an absolute guarantee. And thirdly, when we talk about the blessing of the guarantee of eternal inheritance that we receive from the Holy Spirit, He's an abiding guarantee. The Spirit abides constantly with the believer. Men, pay attention to this. When you blow it, He doesn't vacate. How many times have we in error thought such unbiblical things? That because we've blown it, the Holy Spirit then has to leave. Maybe he'll come back later when we get all the stuff right in our life. Good luck with that. You won't. It's important that we understand the blessings that we talked about in Christ, that redemption is paid for. We are forgiven. It is done. We have been swept clean. Our sin by that scapegoat has been carried away as far as the east is from the west. Now that we understand those things, the Holy Spirit doesn't come and go when we're good and bad. He forever abides in us, empowering us to live this life that He has called us to live in Christ. He's an abiding guarantee. He is always with the believer, guaranteeing us of the earnest of what Christ has promised. We know what an earnest is. Those of you who have ever bought a house, you put down earnest money. And what does that earnest money say? That earnest money, several thousands of dollars toward a huge purchase of a home, says, I am seriously going to buy this home. You enter into what is known as an earnest money contract. You say on that contract, yes, I am seriously going to buy this home. Here's thousands of dollars, earnest, so that you have the guarantee that I am going to buy this home. And someone takes that money and they hold that money as a what? An abiding guarantee. A guarantee that they can look at and they can say, okay, Mr. Hall is going to follow through with the purchase of this home just as he says on this contract because he has left with us this earnest saying that his word is true. Jesus Christ has left us an earnest. That earnest is the indwelling Holy Spirit who indwells all who have trusted in Christ, just as Jesus promised. What did he say in John chapter 14, verse 16? He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world, how long will he be with us? Forever. He's an abiding guarantee. I'm going to give you the Spirit of truth forever. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. This is the promise that Jesus made of the earnest of the Holy Spirit, his disciples, before the, the Spirit came upon Pentecost. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. 
What a promise from Jesus Christ. I will come to you, and I will live in you by my Holy Spirit who is going to indwell all of you as an earnest, that abiding guarantee. How do I know that I'm truly saved? How do I know that Jesus one day will rescue me from this earth? How do I know that? The abiding Holy Spirit in my life confirms that to me every single day. Titus chapter 3, we've already looked there at many of those verses in chapter 3. Well, let's start again at 5. We know 5 because we've already spoken of it. He saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal. And then He goes on to say, by the Holy Spirit. Now I want to focus on 6 and 7 here. Whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. He has poured out His Holy Spirit on us, in us, so that we can rest in the abiding guarantee that Christ has promised of our future redemption. The Holy Spirit is our guarantee of eternal inheritance. He has blessed us with that. Moving to the third point tonight, as we move quickly, it is from the Holy Spirit that we have seen we receive the gift of regeneration in this text, but also the guarantee of eternal inheritance, but thirdly, the grace of God's indwelling presence. This one blows me away, gentlemen, I'll just be honest with you, that God would ever live in this scoundrel. And Scripture says that He does. He lives in each of you who are in Christ Jesus. I know. Go ahead and say it. I don't deserve such things. None of us do. Go ahead and get overwhelmed. Why would he? I, I have no idea. How could he? Only through Christ and his atoning work, by which he has cleansed us, made us acceptable. We see the grace of God's indwelling presence, that he has graced us with the indwelling Holy Spirit. Is the Spirit present in your life? Always. As a believer, always. Does He go with you everywhere you go? Absolutely. Does He lie down with you when you rest at night? Every night? Does He walk with you every day? You commune with the Father and with the Son through the Holy Spirit? Yes. Constantly. What a grace we've received in the indwelling Holy Spirit. In that we have the literal presence of God in our lives. You know, Jesus promised his disciples, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, I'll not, I will not leave you as orphans, but yet Jesus ascended into heaven. How does he keep that promise? He keeps that promise through the indwelling Holy Spirit. He's faithful to everything that he has promised. We see that the Holy Spirit indwelling us with his presence, this constant confirmation of our salvation. Holy Spirit does not live in unbelievers, Right? Holy Spirit only indwells those who are truly believers. If you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, it's confirmation that you are truly saved. Because you are truly saved, the Holy Spirit is ever-present in your life. And if He's ever-present in your life, He is ever-present as enlightenment as to what Christ has done for us at the cross by saving us according to the Scriptures. It is a Spirit who constantly reminds us of those truths. Just as Jesus said it would be. John 14, verse 26. Again, referring to the Holy Spirit, He says, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. It is the Holy Spirit and His constant presence when we share our faith in Jesus Christ with others. Well, you've left those occasions if you've shared your faith to any degree with a lost person. And you leave there wondering, how did I remember all of those scriptures? I didn't know that I could remember all of those scriptures. I didn't know that I knew all of those scriptures. And all of a sudden, he is faithful to what he has promised through the blessing of the indwelling Holy Spirit. You were remembering things that you didn't even know you remembered. Because you didn't naturally remember those things. You spiritually 
remembered those things. It was the Spirit, as Jesus promised, who called all things to your remembrance so that you could effectively share the good news of the gospel according to the Word of God. That's why it's important, man. You continually pour the Word of God into your mind and into your heart so that the Spirit can recall those things that you have received at just the right time that those things need to be used in the converting of a lost soul and the glorifying of God as you teach. He is an ever-present enlightenment to us, continually reminding us of what Christ has done for us, continually reminding us of what the Word of God truly said. He's not only that, He's an ever-present reminder of our communion with the Lord. It is in Christ, through His sacrifice, that we have been given this privilege to commune with the Father, with the Son, and by the indwelling Holy Spirit. 1 John chapter 3 says this in verse 23. And this is His command, to believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as He commanded us. Those who obey His commands live in Him, and He in them. And this is how we know that He lives in us. How do you know? People ask all the time, how do I know that Christ really lives in me? How do I know that I'm truly saved? We know it by the Spirit He gave us. That's why we began this study tonight with that quote from Spurgeon. How dare us forget about the blessing of the indwelling Holy Spirit? How dare us be afraid of Him? He's the one who constantly reminds us of the communion that we have with the Father and with the Son. The Holy Spirit is not given to us so that we can be kooks and quacks and flakes. The Holy Spirit is given to us just as we said, saw there in 1 John, as John testified, so that we know that we are truly in Christ. He is that constant, constant confirmation of who we really are. He is the internal hope of God's boundless love and forgiveness for His own. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts Watch this, by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. The internal hope of God's boundless love for His own chosen people. Continually confirmed through the indwelling Holy Spirit. His constant confirmation of our salvation and the love that God truly has for His own. Not only that, it's constant confirmation of our sonship. We talked about this, that we have sonship and adoption because of who? The blessings of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have been included because it was the will of the Father that we be conformed to the image of Christ so that He would be the firstborn among many brethren, just as Romans chapter 8 tells us. But it is the Holy Spirit who indwells us, who constantly confirms that to us, reminding us by His indwelling presence that we are the sons of God. He's not going to let us live as sons of the world any longer. Are you not thankful tonight that the Holy Spirit is ever-present reminding you, Kirk Hall, you cannot Live like a son of the world, a son of Satan, any longer. You have been purchased by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You have been adopted into the family of God according to the will of the Father. I am reminding you of who you truly are. I'm thankful for the indwelling Holy Spirit who constantly reminds us of who we truly are. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says this, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. He goes on to say, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, 
but you receive the spirit of sonship. You don't have to fear the judgment and the wrath of God any longer. The Spirit confirms that to you. People say all the time, well, when, when you preach about hell, it really scares me. When you preach about wrath, it really scares me. It doesn't scare the true believer. The true believer rejoices and says, that's what I have been freed from. The Spirit confirms that to you. He's not talking to you, Kirk. That's what you used to be. One who the wrath of God would abide upon. Now you are a son of God who the Holy Spirit of God indwelled and abides with. He says, but you receive the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba. That's that intimate term. We would know it as Daddy. We cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. He goes on to say, now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. It is also the Spirit who will allow you to share in his sufferings that you might share in his glory. He is there as a constant confirmation of our sonship. How often does the Spirit remind you that you are truly a son of the living God purchased by the precious blood of Jesus Christ that you have been given through his blessing of regeneration, a new nature, a new language. Oh, you ought not speak the way you used to speak when you spoke as the world spoke. How often does the Holy Spirit remind you that there, that there are new practices in your life? You have a new status. You're no longer an alien, alienated from God. You are a son of the living God purchased by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You have a new citizenship, and that citizenship is the kingdom of heaven. How did you receive that? How do you receive that confirmation? It's the indwelling Holy Spirit who constantly gives you the blessing of that confirmation to show your spirit. That the Word of God is true. Not the things that we see with our natural eyes, but the things that He allows us to see through our redeemed spirit as we have been born again. It's constant confirmation of our sonship. Thirdly, the grace of God's indwelling presence, that third blessing from the Holy Spirit, the third part of that is constant confirmation of our security. The Holy Spirit gives us constant and built-in assurance of our restored position in Christ. You want assurance of salvation? Assurance of salvation lives in every true believer. Rest in that. Trust in that. He is there constantly confirming that you are secure. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. It says, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. He anointed us with what? More properly put, he anointed us with who? Set his seal of ownership on us. Who is that seal of ownership? Remember, we talked about that authority, that seal, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. We see this pattern over and over and over in Scripture. It's almost as if God has placed his indwelling Holy Spirit in us to confirm lots of things. Aren't you thankful for that blessing? He's confirming our security. We are secure in Christ. Why? Because God makes both us and you, all believers, as Paul said, stand firm in Christ because he has anointed us, set a seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. We are secure in Christ, confirmed by the indwelling Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 5. Are you guys over your scripture quoted tonight? I hope not. 2 Corinthians 5, 5 says this. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit, here he goes again, as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Don't you love that? When he talks about the Spirit as a deposit, he says guaranteeing, guaranteeing we're secure. For people who like to say, and it's interesting to me that these people who like to say that a person can lose their salvation are people who claim to know the Holy Spirit. Well, if you claim to know the Holy Spirit, then surely you would believe what the Scripture says about Him, that He is a deposit guaranteeing our redemption. He confirms our security in Christ. 
If he is the deposit guaranteeing our redemption, how could we ever lose that? If he is always with us and he will never leave us and he indwells the believer because our tent has been made clean through the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ, now a place where God can dwell, how could he ever leave us? He wouldn't. It makes no biblical sense. Many times we don't want to be biblical. We want to hold on to teachings of Pastor Lovejoy, our favorite pastor when we were growing up. Pay attention to what the Word of God says, gentlemen. He is a constant confirmation of our security. People ask me all the time, how do you know that you're truly saved? Because the Spirit confirms that in me every day. Have any of you ever tried to wander back into your old life? Be honest. And immediately, the convicting power of the Holy Spirit would not let you do that, confirming that you are a son purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, never to enter back into that life that Christ sovereignly saved you out of. Are you thankful for the blessings of the Holy Spirit tonight? Romans chapter 8, verse 9. And I'll wrap it up. It says in verse 9, You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. That's for all the people who want to say that somehow the Holy Spirit is some second blessing that you get later on down the road. That's false teaching. If you think that you received the Holy Spirit 20 years after you got saved, you're not really clear on the real day that you were saved. You're about 20 years behind. Because when you're truly saved, the Holy Spirit is the one who does the work of the saving. He is the one who regenerates you. And He is there from the process of regeneration until we are escorted into the presence of God for all eternity. He goes on to say this, but if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. What a blessing. What a promise. What a guarantee from the indwelling Holy Spirit. May we never, ever take the blessings of the Holy Spirit for granted. Well, it's easy for us to talk about the blessings of the Father and the blessings of the Son and to bypass the Holy Spirit because that gets a little weird and a little kooky, doesn't it, Kurt? No, never. If we keep it in the boundaries of Scripture, absolutely not. It is a great blessing. It is a great confidence. It's great assurance for the true believer. Let us not ever take for granted the blessings of the third person of the Trinity, the indwelling Holy Spirit. Would you stand to your feet now? Are you thankful tonight for the blessings of the indwelling Holy Spirit? Can we sing to Him like we are truly thankful? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Oh God, we thank you tonight for the blessing of the indwelling Holy Spirit and all the blessings that he has brought into our lives as believers. Lord, may we never, ever take for granted those blessings. May we praise you every day for indwelling us with the power from your spirit that we may walk in newness of life, that may, we may be holy as our Lord is holy. Holy Spirit, we ask now, you continue the work that you have begun in each of these men who truly know Christ, but Lord, we ask this, that you would draw the lost man who is here tonight out of his sin, out of his darkness, that you would Open his eyes to see his need for Jesus Christ that this very evening he would repent of his sin and turn to Christ as the only hope.
to be forgiven and saved. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory for the work that you're going to do in his life. We thank you so much for your blessings. We pray, we ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We hope that you have grown through the teaching of God's Word. If you would like to find out more information about Key Life Fellowship, visit our website, keylifefellowship.com, or you can email us at info at keylifefellowship.org. We would love for you to join us in person. Our men's Bible study meets every Thursday night at 7 p.m. here at the Key Life Fellowship campus located in New Caney, Texas. Or feel free to join us at one of our Sunday worship services as well. As we conclude today's lesson, I will leave you with one reminder. Go out and be the light in a lost, dark world.